0: Have you ever made it through something awful or survived a disaster, and instead of feeling good, you felt this heaviness in the pit of your stomach? When tragedy befalls those around us but leaves us unscathed, some of us feel really guilty. Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Wu. Every week, I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Today, we talk about how to understand and cope with survivor guilt. Survivor guilt happens when a person perceives themselves to have done something wrong by surviving a catastrophe or injustice while others died or suffered. Its intensity can run the gamut from bittersweet to all-out despair. Survivor guilt is conventionally associated with large scale catastrophes like the battlefield or a plane crash, but it can actually pop up in more common situations too. For example, one study found that about 65% of cancer patient caretakers experience survivor guilt. Anyone who has participated in a cancer support group will recognize the many layers of grief after the group loses one of its members. The survivors ask each other, you know, why did she die while we're still here? She was so kind and giving and she left behind two kids and grandkids. Why are we the lucky ones? In 2020, survivor guilt might be even more salient than usual. Think, for example, of, say, a grad student from Florida despairing over the fate of his family and country while he studies physics in Germany, watching the coronavirus numbers soar at home. He says, I didn't do anything to deserve being safe. How can I sit here and play with equations all day when my community back home is suffering? And what about survivors of economic devastation? A employee who keeps her job while her equally qualified co-worker is laid off in a large-scale corporate right-sizing might feel uneasy about her unjustified privilege. Why not me, she asks. Do I really deserve to have this job more than my coworkers did? Finally, and tragically, survivor guilt has been a well-known experience among war veterans, for whom this experience can be actually a significant risk factor for PTSD and even suicidal thoughts and attempts. In a research study interview, one veteran recounts, "The only thing I've really had issue dealing with" Was when I got wounded, how I came away relatively scot free, if you will, whereas the guy on my right died, and the guy on my left can't lift his arm higher than this anymore. And there are scores of examples, but in general, survivors have some of these themes in their experience, either alone or in combination. Theme number one is guilt about surviving. This is what we classically think of as survivor guilt. If you remain safe while others suffered, in an accident, in a war, in the COVID-19 pandemic, by being granted asylum, you may feel you don't deserve your safety, believe that you should have succumbed to, or question the wisdom and fairness of the world. And theme number two is guilt over what you should have done. You might feel guilty that you didn't do enough. You should have known. You should have tried harder. You should have warned them. Maybe you tried to rescue someone from addiction, for example, but failed. There's an over-exaggerated sense of failure or responsibility. If only I had done something differently. Another theme, number three, is guilt over what you did. You may feel guilty for things you did. Instead of feeling guilty about things you should have done, you may feel guilty for things you actually did do. For example, from running without looking back for your friends while escaping a burning building, or escaping poverty by leaving your family to go to college. Or you may feel intense guilt for things that you did that were mere coincidence. On the day the music died in 1959, country music star Waylon Jennings was supposed to be on the plane that killed musicians Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Richie Valens. When Jennings told Buddy Holly he had given up his seat as a favor to the flu stricken Big Bopper and was going to take the unheated tour bus instead, Holly joked that he hoped Jennings froze on the bus. Then 20 year old Jennings joked back, Well, I hope your old plane crashes. In an interview decades later, he said, God Almighty, for years I thought I caused it. Theme number four is avoiding thinking or talking about it. Jennings said he tried not to think or talk about the plane crash, which is a common reaction called avoidance. While survivor guilt isn't an official diagnosis, it's closely associated with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which is an official diagnosis. In one study with participants with PTSD, 90% of those who have survived an event where others died experienced survivor guilt. Avoidance is a core symptom of PTSD, along with feeling overly vigilant, on edge, or numb and disconnected. And there are other ways that survivor guilt is like PTSD too, such as theme number five, having a changed worldview. As in feeling confused or ambivalent about living, obsessing about the meaning of life, or being tormented by the sense that no matter where you go, you'll never be safe your whole way of thinking about yourself, about other people, and the world may be shaken up forever. This resulting self-condemnation and isolation can really take a toll on your health and your relationships. So what to do about survivor guilt? It really does take time and patience, but let's start here with six things to try when your very existence makes you feel guilty. Strategy number one is to ask who is truly responsible. Remind yourself who is actually to blame. Is the American grad student truly responsible for his country's suffering from COVID-19? No. Instead, he can look to the virus itself, the authorities responsible for managing the crisis, and environmental and sociopolitical forces that are totally out of his control. Is the employee responsible for her colleague's layoff? No. Look to the corporate leaders, short-sighted policy, and even the market. In the end, mourn those who are lost. But don't take on the responsibility for their loss. Other times, there's no one responsible. Perhaps it was a force of nature or random misfortune or nothing you could have even predicted. Regardless, we, like Waylon Jennings, may still feel responsible. Every one of us overestimates how much we actually knew before a catastrophe. I shouldn't have ordered my troops into a building that turned out to be a minefield of IEDs. I shouldn't have gotten into a car with faulty brakes. Those should-haves and shouldn't-haves don't make sense if the person didn't actually know the IEDs existed or the brakes were faulty. This overestimation leads to a skewed assessment of their responsibility. So how come we tend to have this overestimation effect? Why do we take on responsibility that isn't ours? Well, in situations where you couldn't possibly have known a disaster was about to happen, but you still feel guilty, the guilt might be functioning as a false sense of control. By feeling guilty and taking responsibility, we tell ourselves that it wasn't all pointless and random. Guilt feels lousy, but it protects us from the even more overwhelming feeling of helplessness and powerlessness that we experience when we fall victim to the unjust and uncontrollable whims of random forces. Strategy number two is to remind yourself that you can handle loss and sadness. As horrible as guilt is, it can be easier than the devastation of grief. Staying focused on guilt can be a subtle way that you're avoiding the searing sadness. But avoiding the true emotion bubbling underneath the guilt stands in the way of healing and makes the wound fester over time. Experiencing intense emotions may feel unsafe, but it's not. You can do it in any way that suits you. You may be the scream and cry type, and that's okay. You can feel sadness or pain in any way you want quiet or loud, as long as you let yourself feel what you truly feel. Strategy number three, think about how people who love you feel about your survival. Even if you suspect somehow that you shouldn't still be here, remind yourself of who would be devastated if you were not. Think of everyone who is happy and relieved that you're okay. You've been given the gift of survival, so rather than rejecting that gift because you somehow feel undeserving, share that gift with those who love you. At the very least, they deserve it, don't they? Now we've reminded ourselves of who is responsible for disasters that we survive, and reminded ourselves that we can survive intense emotions, and we've turned ourselves outward to thinking about other people who love us too, let's also remember that it's not a zero-sum game. And that's strategy number four. Underlying survivor guilt is the idea that there's only so much luck to go around and that to benefit from the good fortune is to deprive someone else of it. But luck is random. Let's use the lottery to illustrate. Sometimes no one has the winning lottery number. Sometimes multiple people share the prize. The chances of you specifically hitting it big aren't increased or decreased by anyone else's picks. So it's hard to accept that there's no greater order to things. But once we do, we may feel more absolved and accepting. But even though we know it's not a zero-sum game, we can still do something meaningful for someone else. And that's strategy number five. Guilt at its best is a motivator for meaningful, purposeful action. We may think of guilt as regret about the past, but it also makes us look toward the future. It can remind us to look for ways to commemorate or serve or otherwise honor those who are lost. For example, a classic 1966 study divided participants into two groups. Half were told that the study task would help their partner, who is secretly an actor on the research team, earn bonus points in a course he needed to graduate from college keep his job and support his wife and child in short the pressure was on the other half were told the partner was auditing the course and therefore didn't really need the bonus points at all after working on and failing at three impossible tasks the researchers informed each participant they had not earned any bonus points for their partner which induced guilt to make matters worse they were told their partner had earned many points for them. As each participant left the study room, they were asked if they would donate blood. Unsurprisingly, participants who felt guilty about imperiling their partner's job prospects were much more likely to agree to donate blood. Giving blood had nothing to do with the situation, but to the participant, it felt like something that could even out karma. The logic behind their motivation might have been faulty, but it made them feel better and hey, it led to a good deed in the process. So you can channel this too and pay your luck and your survival forward. And lastly, but certainly not least, strategy number six is to take care of yourself. If you've survived a harrowing experience or have otherwise been left behind, Taking care of yourself is essential for healing, whether physical or emotional. Eat well, sleep well, move your body, and recruit support to help make sense of it all. If you persistently feel down or unmotivated or on edge or generally unable to live to the fullest, and especially if you have thoughts about suicide, you should look for professional help. PTSD shows up in many forms. Including more subtle ones than nightmares and flashbacks. The good news is that there are effective evidence based treatments such as cognitive processing therapy. So don't hesitate to get yourself the help that you need. Guilt has a place in our emotional repertoire, it motivates us to right wrongs and make amends. But in survivor guilt, it's misplaced and unhelpful. So grieve your losses, but remember, it was not your fault. Others are glad you're still here, and you can use your survival to pay it forward. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Jadewoo PhD and at QDT Savvy Psych. If you'd like psychology tips delivered straight to your inbox, subscribe to the Savvy Psychologist newsletter. You can also subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you for joining me again, and I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind.